Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. With our church finances, I'm grateful for our follow-up team, uh, our, uh, our clean-up team, rather. Uh, last night, we had a big party in this place. <laughs> And uh, the only evidence that's left that I can see is some uh, duct tape hanging from the, <laughs> from the window up there. And, uh, oh, and yes, I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, but to say that that was the only thing that didn't get cleaned up in the last 24 hours, that is a pretty incredible feat. So I'm grateful to all of you who uh, came last night, but even more to those of you who helped us to clean this place up Brother Ramon, uh, who helps out so much with that. Uh, We thank God for all of his faithful people and uh, what a blessing it is to serve the Lord. Uh, Isaiah 43 tonight. Isaiah chapter 43. Ramon, can you turn off that fan for me? Uh, We're going to look together this evening at an encouraging scripture. Um, One of the things that, one of the bad habits that preachers can fall into is to bum everybody out and not give any hope. I try not to be that kind of a preacher. Because I understand that life is pretty bummer as it is. And you didn't come here to get yelled at, to get bummed out, to get uh, lectured. You came here to be inspired and challenged and convicted by the Holy Spirit. And I believe the Holy Spirit is faithful to do that. And that's what we're going to find in this scripture tonight. It's a scripture that I hope will encourage you and challenge you to take this next year and to do something powerful with it. Um, I love to ingest and digest books. I don't do enough of it. Uh, My primary way of uh, reading books is through audiobook. And I love learning new things. That's really the desire of my soul is I love to learn things that I've never come across. And if you read books and if you uh, if you consume them or listen to them or however you read books, uh, you will find that sometimes a book is a lot different than you expected. Uh, every book has a cover. They say you're not supposed to judge books by their cover. But we do. We do judge books by their cover. That's why they're so important. And uh, somehow you read a book, you, you pick up a book off of the shelf and you look at the cover and the art and the lettering and you read the insert on the book flaps and it kind of sets a certain expectation. And sometimes, how many know, books don't turn out like you expected. Sometimes they're a lot more boring than you thought they would be. Sometimes they're a lot more interesting than you thought they would be. Sometimes it's about something completely different than you thought it would be. But one of the, uh, the joys of reading a book is, is hopefully you're seeing life 
from a new perspective. You're getting into the mind of of a different person and learning something incredible. And if you are a student of life, you will discover something about life that is similar to books, that life will have chapters. Some chapters are good, some chapters are fun, some chapters are wonderful and blessed, some chapters are not. Some chapters are hard to read. Some chapters you'd like to skip over. Some pages you'd like to tear out. Sometimes you're filled with joy and laughter. Other times a chapter will bring you to tears and heartbreak. Sometimes a chapter will be confusing or clear or gloom and doom or promise. But just like a good book, you have to get through it until the very end. Sometimes you pick up one of those thriller books, man. Sometimes those, those thriller authors, they are Brad Thor or Dean Koontz or some of these amazing thriller authors. You can't, it's like you can't put it down. Like I have things to do like sleep. But this chapter has left me hanging. And I want to tell you tonight that uh, life in 2020 can be like one of those books. No matter where you are tonight, what chapter you might be in of your life, books have a way of changing, and so does life. And I want to preach about that tonight because God has created a world. God has ordered His creation in such a way where there is order. There is times and days and seasons of life. We read it today in our Bible plan, Genesis 1.14. Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens to divide the day from the night. And let them be for signs and seasons for days and years. This is part of how God made the world. He made it to have markings and separations and a day which follows a night, which follows a day, which turns into a week, which turns into a month, which turns into another year that's passing. And you may not think tonight that a single day is important. But all the time, God is weaving His story through your life and through mine. And that's why the scripture we're going to read tonight is so important for us to have proper perspective. Let's read this together. Isaiah 43, verse 18. The Lord's word to His people and says this, Do not remember the former things nor consider the things of old. Behold, I will do a new thing. Everybody say, new thing. I will do a new thing. Now it shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. Let's pray for just a moment. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus tonight asking your presence and your power in this service tonight. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We're asking, God, that you would pour out your spirit once again. Lord, I pray that you would encourage those who are having difficult seasons tonight. And, God, that you would make this a blessed 2020 for your kingdom and for your people. We give you glory in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, Amen. This is a message I've titled, A New Thing, because God has a way of blowing our minds. Girls, I don't want you to be a distraction. God has a way 
of doing new things. And if your God hasn't done anything new in your life, then you might be serving the wrong God. Because we serve a God who brings us into new seasons, new days, new things. This is one of the realities of life and Christianity is that God has called us to be flexible. Ooh, that's a painful word. Flexibility. I don't want to take that yoga class. Because that is flexibility. How many know that when we serve the Lord, as time goes by, we have a tendency of becoming inflexible? We have a tendency of getting set in our ways. I'm not talking about anybody here, maybe just me tonight. But I've noticed that you get into a routine, and the older you get, the more you know what you like, and you like what you know, and you don't care to learn something new or to do something out of the ordinary because I like what I know, and I know what I like. And I'm set in my ways. And if we get stuck like that, spiritually, we miss out on so much with God. Because, let me know, God, He's a creator. Look around at the world. Watch a Discovery Channel special or National Geographic. or Watch one of those things that just displays the glory of God in incredible ways that you could never imagine. Look at one of those documentaries. One of them that I saw recently was uh, James Cameron, these strange creatures of the deep. You know, he took this submarine down into the Mariana Trench in the Pacific Ocean, the deepest point on planet Earth. And he found creatures there that looked like they were from outer space. It's incredible. Where did that thing... Isn't it interesting we call it a creature? Something that was created. That did not spring out from the bubbles below. That was not just burped up on the beach accidentally. It's a creature. It was created. Created by who? By God, a creative and a wonderful God who surprises us and loves to surprise his children. Dads in this place will know what it's like. The joy that comes from surprising your children. You know, I had to keep a secret for the last few weeks. It was hard for me to keep. I wanted to surprise my children on Christmas morning. And we were able to pull it off. We bought tickets to go to Disneyland. It's the first time my children have been to something like that. We bought the tickets like three weeks ago. (coughs) So now I have to, in my mind, I have to have this knowledge but not let them know about it. Because, Because the joy of my soul, I'm thinking ahead, oh, wouldn't it be amazing for them to open up tickets on Christmas morning? You know, as a father... There's almost nothing that could bring that much joy. And there it was on Christmas morning. They're still in their pajamas. And I know what's in that box. It's the last one. And Grandma was there. And they open the box. And there's Mickey Mouse ears. And they said, oh, that's great, wonderful. They keep digging. And at the bottom is those tickets that we paid so much money for. And they pulled them out, and they said, could it be true? 
Father. We love you, Father. <laughs> no. <laughs> they screamed, and there was joy, and there was tears, and they were running around the house, and almost nothing that I can describe to you brings so much joy as presenting a gift, a surprise like that to my kids. Can I tell you, God is a good father. And he's got surprises for you. He's got things that you can't even anticipate, church. Things that you couldn't even think of. He's got a life. He's got a purpose. He's got Uh, He's got things in line. He's got boxes that have already been wrapped. Blessings for your life in 2020 that he's waiting for you to encounter. Because it brings so much joy to our creative God to put blessings in our life. Listen uh, Listen to Leviticus. It says, the Lord's mercies, through the Lord's mercies, we are not consumed. Because his compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. The compassion and the mercy of God. Listen, this is why we say as Christians that we have a relationship with God. If we've come to the point in our Christianity where God is just this far off statue that we respect. And we go and we pay our homage. And then back away slowly. If that's your Christianity, man, I feel sorry for you because I serve a God who shows me new mercy every day. His grace and His compassion in my life are new. Do you know why you need new compassion every day? Because you're you're a jerk. Sometimes you do stupid stuff. I'll speak for myself. Sometimes I do stupid things, and I need new mercy. I need new compassion. I need a God who's going to show me grace and mercy. Just like the manna that fell in the desert to the children of Israel. Every day it was new, wasn't it? Every day God showed His compassion. He provided for His children. And every day He wants to provide for your needs. That's why we sing that song, Christ is enough for me. I fear that we sing the song, but we don't really mean it. Christ is enough? Come on, there's a few things I need in this life. I need some comforts. I need a, I need a pillow. I need a woman. I need some money. We have a few other things that we need, don't we? But what we do, what we have to remember is that, yes, all of these are blessings, but everything comes from God. Jesus, part of the daily prayer that he taught us to pray was to give us this day our daily bread. We need to have a relationship with God because every day is new. Every day there is an opportunity. Every day there are different uh, boxes that we could open up and discover something that we never anticipated. Has God ever blown your mind like that? If He hasn't, you're missing out. The mercies of God are new every day. Our scripture said, Behold, 
I will do a new thing. There's no question about that. There's no, uh, there's no ambiguity. There's no wondering, oh God, is, is it always going to be like this? God does new things. On one day, there was darkness on the earth. The next day, God said, let there be light. And it was good. Nobody had ever seen light before, especially since there was nobody there to observe it, except God. And God created all of these things. We read about it in our Bible plan today. But can you imagine God created all these things? This is the same God that we serve today, and we think that God can't create anything new for us. The new things that God is creating for you, for your family, for your children, for your marriage, for your relationships, for your work life. There are new things in store this year. Will you be ready for them? Because the truth is tonight that these new things that God is making for us, they are things that come with responsibility. New things are not always easy to accept from God. Sometimes new things look like work, and we'd rather not have them. Sometimes new things look like a ministry that require a lot of time and energy and patience, and I'd rather stick with the old things. Thank you very much. Sometimes new things look like new people that are different from me, with different problems family problems and drama i'd rather not let me just stick with my deadly dozen sometimes new things comes with responsibility can god give you new things <laughs> i was laughing last night when uh when uh who was it it was liana who got the got that wonderful gift of 30 days to the gym <laughs> i'm like Man, that's not a gift everybody wants to have. That means sweat and work and labor and pain and sore muscles. I'd rather go back to the couch. Thank you very much. Sometimes the blessings that God has in store for us means a little bit more work. And this is why this is why it's important to consider new seasons. The wonderful thing about God is that He does things faithfully. I have seen that God changes my life in two ways. And He'll change your life in one of two ways. We love it when God does the miraculous change, right? The miraculous, like just a, a drop it from heaven and poof, a miracle happens and God changes people. We hear those testimonies. Like, I was bound to cigarettes for 20 years. I came to the altar, and poof, God did a miracle, and I was set free by the blood of Jesus. Let's give God praise! Yes! Oh, we love those testimonies, don't we? And some of you have those testimonies. That's great when God does that, but I want to tell you it's it's rare. Usually when God changes you, it's because through time effort and habit and diligence and character little by little through difficulty and pain God changes you we didn't hear that testimony on Sunday morning did we 
over the last year, 20 years, God has been slowly and methodically changing my mind about something. <laughs> Let's give God praise for that. Yes. We'd rather have the quick and easy way, wouldn't we? But God can still change you, even if it is through the daily drudgery. I want to tell you that looking back over my short experience of Christianity, I've seen that God has done some incredible miracles and changed my character in momentary times. But most of the things that God has changed in me has been because of a struggle over time. Page by page, chapter by chapter, section by section, to this day. And this is why it's important to mark the changing of seasons. Listen to Genesis chapter 8, verse 22. While the earth remains, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, winter and summer, day and night shall not cease. As long as the earth remains. Do you know what that tells me? That means even in eternity, after Christ resurrects heaven and the earth, that the earth will still remain and the earth will still experience seasons. See, this is why I couldn't, uh, it would be more difficult for me to preach this kind of sermon back in Arizona. Because you know in Arizona, there's only two seasons. There's hot and there's deadly hot. Those are the two seasons. And you can't really tell when the season changes. It's like, you know, mid-October it kind of morphs, it comes down from the 100 degrees down to the 90 degrees, and you're like, oh, it's almost cool again. But you know, here in Virginia and many other places around the world, we can appreciate, this is why one of the reasons I love living here is because you can clearly see seasons changing, even though Virginia is a little like bipolar these days. A little like schizophrenic, you know. We don't know what it was yesterday when it was 75 degrees outside. But, you know, you can clearly see the changing of seasons, man. You can feel the cool air. You can see the leaves falling off the trees. Uh, when springtime rolls back around, everybody's going to come to church with red eyes and pollen on your car. And uh, the, the, everything will start sprouting again. New life, springtime, summertime. Then, then it starts feeling hot again and you're sweating through your clothes. And, and then the fall. And you can see those changes. And if you don't like the weather, just wait a few weeks. It'll change. Right? And I have to tell you, beloved, God has seasons in your life too. You might feel like you've been in the season for too long. But God has seasons for us. Ecclesiastes 3 says, For everything there is a season, a time for every activity under heaven. Famous song from the 60s. A time to be born and a time to die. A time to plant and a time to harvest. A time to kill and a time to heal. A time to tear down and a time to build up. The Bible confirms that there are seasons for life. But I want to tell you tonight, it's not just enough to experience those seasons. We must learn to thrive in the seasons. 
One of the difficulties is that we tend to be people who expect different things from the wrong seasons. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. If you're a farmer and you got up early one morning to go harvest your crop and you step outside your house with all of your harvest material, you got a bucket, you got a knife, you're ready to, to find a harvest out and you walk out into your field and you look around and you say, where's the harvest? Somebody says, hey, what are you doing out there? It's January. You're trying to harvest in the wrong season. Or what if, what if you went out there ready to plant some seeds? Go out there and, man, there's no place to put any seeds. There's so much stuff growing everywhere. I can't plant any. What's wrong? It's not time for planting. It's time for harvesting. What we have to recognize, beloved, is that we must work in the season in which we live. We have to learn to thrive with what God has given us today. If you're in a season of difficulty, we need to learn, God, show me, help me through this. You've got to speak to me. You've got to give me revelation. If you're in a time of great blessing, you, you, you know, you've got to roll with that too. Listen to what Paul says, Philippians 4, verse 11. I have learned how to be content with whatever I have. I know how to live on almost nothing. Some of you know how that feels. I know how to live on almost nothing, or I know how to live with everything. See, I've seen people backslide because of those, both of those problems. I've seen people have nothing and say, God, you're, so, you're just a jerk. I, I don't want to serve you if you're going to give me nothing. Walk away from God. I've also seen people who get everything. God blesses them. Good job. Can't come to church anymore. Blessed with too much money and say, God, later, I don't have time for you anymore. I've seen both. But Paul says, I've learned how to be content either with nothing or with everything. How do you do that? It's the secret of seasons. He says, I've learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or with an empty stomach. And with that thought in mind, the most famous scripture of the New Testament, I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. We use that scripture so out of context. We use that like we're Superman. I can do all things. I can jump over buildings through Christ who gives me... No, no, no. In context, Paul is saying, I can learn how to thrive in the wintertime, in the summertime, in the fall or the spring, no matter what season I'm in, no matter what difficulty or blessing I'm going through, I can do that. Through Christ, who gives me strength. The problem is when we, we either don't perceive that we're in a season, or we don't recognize, we think that we're in a different season. It's like getting your skis and your poles and going to the top of the mountain in the middle of July. You're going to be disappointed, aren't you? You're going to be ill-equipped. It's like somebody who, who takes their swimming trunks out to the lake 
in the middle of winter. You're, you're not going to have a good time that day. And I see Christians, man, who are trying to do things when it's not the right season. So what about you? Can you recognize what season God is bringing you through? One of the difficult things about this is sometimes the seasons are bigger than our lifetimes. Sometimes the season, sometimes the chapter of the book that we're in is something that is generations long. Like right here in our culture in America, we are in the middle of a season that started back probably in the early 60s. And it's playing out for the last 50 plus years. It's a season of our culture that we have to recognize. And we have to operate within that. And we have to learn how to thrive even through these things in a post-Christian society. I believe we're right on the verge of another season that's coming. A season of blessing in God's revival being poured out in the Western world. It's got to come soon because if it doesn't, we're in big trouble. But learning how to operate. So, you know, there are places in the world where I could preach, and some of you have observed this if you've been with me on trips overseas. I will take a sermon that I preached on Sunday morning, and people were yawning. And I can take that same sermon and put it into uh, Lagos, Nigeria, and people will be weeping at the altar, tears flowing, the Holy Ghost falls down because there's a different season there. There's a season in that church, in that environment, in that city, in that culture. And it, listen, we've got to learn to understand the season and to thrive in that season. The Bible, Jesus spoke a, a, spare, a, a parable in Matthew chapter 9. It's very interesting. They one of the disciples of John the Baptist came to Jesus, this is Matthew 9, 14, and asked him, why don't your disciples fast like we do and like the Pharisees? Apparently, they thought that they were much holier than the disciples of Jesus because they had better habits of fasting and prayer. But Jesus said in verse 15, do wedding guests mourn while celebrating with the groom? Of course not. Someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Besides, who would patch old clothing with a new cloth? The new patch would shrink and rip away from the old cloth, leaving an even bigger tear than before. No one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the old skins would burst from pressure, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine is stored in new wineskins so that both are preserved. Jesus is teaching us, that we must understand what season we are in. Life works better, and you'll be a lot more satisfied when you recognize the season that you're in. I want to close with this thought of new life. Because just like many pages together form a chapter, and many chapters form a book, in the same way, day by day, God is writing a story. Those days add up into weeks, and those weeks add up into months, and those months add up to years, and those years eventually become a story that God is telling through your life. Can I remind you some of the stories that God told? 
Can you remember the life of Abraham? That he wasn't always the father of our faith, the great hero that we know him, that we venerate him as. Abraham made some bad mistakes, didn't he? He did some stupid and even some wicked stuff. If you read his story carefully. He had some bad chapters. And we have this bad habit of just labeling people like, okay, he's either a great hero or he's a scum of the earth. And there's no gray area in between. There's no middle ground. Abraham, good person. Okay, well, then maybe in the next few weeks as we read the story of Abraham, pay a little more closer attention to some of the idiotic things that he did. He did have a few bad chapters in there. But what I'm saying is at the end of the book, God wrote a good story about Abraham, didn't he? A story that we can all learn from. Moses. Do you know Moses was only obedient to God for the last third of his life? Think about that. The first 80 years of his life, he was basically running from God's will. 80 years. You think you're out of hope? You haven't been running from God for 80 years. And when he was 80 years old, God finally got him in front of a burning bush and said, listen, Moses, you're going to follow me and you're going to lead my people. Oh, Lord, but I can't do that. Stop making excuses. Do what I've asked you to do, right? And today we say Moses, the great lawgiver, parted the Red Sea. But we don't often think about 80 years of disobedience from Moses. There was a few bad chapters, right? We don't often think about him murdering the Egyptian and burying him in the sand. We don't want to mention that chapter. But through the, through the story, through the entire book, God wrote a great story that we can look back on now. Joseph is a study of seasons. Study the life of Joseph, and we will in these next few weeks. You'll read the life of Joseph again. Think of how many seasons he experienced. Joseph raised in, the, in a wonderful season, being the father's favored son. Even though he was the youngest, he was most beloved by his father. All the older brothers, they were jealous. Man, that would be awesome. To be the baby of the family, and every, all the older brothers hate your guts, but dad's on your side. What a great season of life, that coat of many colors. What do you guys want? Right? That'd be a good season. Until they sold him into slavery. And life takes a different season, a different path. He goes to Egypt, becomes a slave in a house. He's got a master. He's doing well. He begins to prosper there. And then guess what? You flip the page again. Accused of rape. Thrown in prison. Just when I thought it was going to turn around, got even worse. 20 years, he's in the same chapter. When is this ever going to end? This is terrible. You know, an Egyptian prison is not a nice place to live. 20 years. God, I thought I thought we had something, God. 20 years. And guess what? One day the page turns. Oh, and it's a new chapter. And in one day, one day, can you imagine? 
They come down to there, pull him out of his chains. They shave his head. They put him in nice garments, and he appears before the Pharaoh. One day, everything changed. And in one day, he gets promoted to vice president of Egypt. One day. That's, that's more like a section change. Section two. And he spends the rest of his life living a life of incredible blessing. Seasons changed. There was a few chapters he'd rather forget. There was a few chapters he'd rather skip over. And maybe you can identify tonight. But here's the hope that is in our scripture tonight. Listen again to what God says. Behold, I will do a new thing. It shall spring forth. Shall you not know it? I'll make a road in the wilderness. That's weird. I thought it was the wilderness. Why would there be a road there? I thought it was just the wild desert, the wild frontier. There's no roads. And he says, and rivers in the desert. Listen, I lived in the desert. There ain't no rivers. Maybe when the thunderstorm and the monsoon season, for five minutes there's a river. But for 364 days of the year, there ain't no river in the desert. But God says, listen, I'm a God who does new things. I'm a God who goes to a place where it seems like a river would never exist, and I'll put a river right there. He says, I'm the kind of God who goes into somebody's life where there's no joy, there's no hope, and I'll put a river of joy and hope in there just to see what will happen. I'm the kind of God who can take a person you would never expect and elevate them to ministry, make them a preacher or a pastor. Who would have thunk a guy like me standing behind a pulpit? Who would have thunk any preacher in our, in our fellowship? Who would have thunk a guy like Patrick ushering our church? Look at him over there. Never would have expected. River in the desert. This is what God does. Who would have thunk? Somebody like that. Somebody like you. Could do what you do. It's because that's what God does. Through the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. His compassions do not fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I thought about this as we were going through our study of the book of Revelation. You remember... You remember when, uh, when it was describing the new Jerusalem? And it says there in the description that the, that the gates of the city of the new Jerusalem are named after the 12 apostles. You remember that? Am I the only one that read that? It said the gates of the city for the eternal Jerusalem. You remember we, we studied that the city would be like the size of half of the United States of America? It would be in a square, and 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 each side there's three gates to enter and exit the city. And those three gates, which must be massive, that they are named for 12 apostles. Okay, Peter, okay, I can see, you know, Peter, leader of the pack, you know, spoke up, preached the first sermon. Okay, maybe, maybe I could see, you know, the apostle Peter on the biggest and shiniest gate, right? But, like... 
Bartholomew? Like, what did he ever do? We never heard much about him, you know, after the Bible was written. We know that all the disciples, they went on and they did, they preached the gospel. And, they, and, and the 12 apostles will forever be enshrined on those 12 gates. And one of them, do you remember that 12 apostles, the, the, there was 12 disciples, but, you know, one of them kind of messed up pretty bad. And he got replaced. Do you remember in the book of Acts that they cast lots? And there's a guy there named Matthias. And he's just like standing over there in the corner like. And they called. It's like they drew straws. And his straw got called. And all of a sudden he's elevated to like apostle. Like how did I get here? And for all eternity there will be a gate on the city of Jerusalem with the name Matthias over it. Because his straw got drawn. Like, that describes me perfectly. Anybody, like, we do not belong here. And yet, God has seen fit. Some seasons are bigger than us. And I want to encourage you tonight. You might wake up tomorrow and flip a page and everything changes. You might flip a page and things get worse. Can you serve God through that? You might flip a page and everything gets better. Can you serve God through that? Can you, like the Apostle Paul, learn how to be content no matter what is happening in your life? Are you open to the new things that God has for you? Even if they look like work? Sometimes tonight... Sometimes we've got to recognize the seasons and learn to thrive in them. Let's bow our heads tonight and close our eyes as we bring the service. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vbph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vbph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.